Thanks for checking out the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. We're going to be digging deeper at the grocery store. Food insecurity is painful for more and more local families. What will the Bank of Canada do this week? We're encouraging you to shop local this holiday season. Mental health is becoming more important at work. And a new resource for black entrepreneurs. The GMH podcast starts now. This is the Good Morning Hamilton podcast on 900 CHML. Happy to have you on board once again, although I'm not sure you're going to be too happy hearing about the latest food price report. Yeah, the 2023 edition is out. So how much are we going to be paying for food next year? How much, maybe the accurate statement is, how much more are we going to be paying for food in 2023? My guess is quite a bit more. Janet Music is a research program coordinator with Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University and joins us on Good Morning Hamilton. Janet, good morning. I think we may have lost Janet. Uh, Mark, give her a call back and see if she's on the line. I can give you some Coles notes <laughs> uh, because the uh, the secret's out. Food prices will be going up again in 2023. And I hate to laugh, but what what else can we do? I mean, it's not like we can go to the grocery store and and barter with, you know, our favorite grocery stores or those at the checkout. You know, I'd really like this lettuce to be $4.99 instead of $8.99. Can you make that happen? Uh, the answer would be no. So the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University, among uh, a number of other partners, including UBC, University of Guelph, uh, University of Saskatchewan, all taking part in the 2023 Food Price Report. Canada's Food Price Report 2023 is the 13th edition coming out. And we know that last year that the analytics lab predicted a 5 to 7% increase, and it was much higher than that. Janet Music is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton. Janet is the Research Program Coordinator at the Agri-Food Analytics Lab at Dalhousie University. Janet, good morning. How are you? Good morning. So the secret's out. We're going to be paying more uh, next year for food. Yes, I don't know how much of a secret that actually is <laughs> for anyone who goes to the grocery store, but... Yes, you know, and this year it's kind of a dramatic increase, unfortunately, that people are going to notice when they're in. And regardless of what category they're buying in, they're going to be paying more, almost almost $1,100 more over the year. Yeah. So last year's report, or I guess it would be this year's report, 2022, predicted an overall price spike of between 5 and 7%. Uh, as of September, that's more than 10%. Obviously, it's not an exact science. No, it is difficult to kind of predict. And, you know, we have many a team meeting about that 5 to 7%. And, and, you know, we wondered if it was too high. But, of course, when we release these things in December, we really don't know, for example, that, you know, Russia is going to invade the Ukraine, for example. So, I mean, some things happen, like climate change. We're pretty sure that's going to have an impact on food prices going forward. But there are some things that are so unpredictable, they take a lot of people by surprise. And these things have kind of far-reaching impacts on our daily lives. And sometimes that 
that A to B kind of destination isn't always clear to people, right? So Russia invades Ukraine. Why does that impact food prices in Canada? Well, it creates a shortage of grains on the global market. Canada has to farm more to meet those needs. And that spikes the price for everybody, for example. So is the ongoing war in Ukraine a contributing factor to the 5 to 7% expected rise next year? Or are there other things that you're looking at to say, okay, this is going to make an impact? Yes. So Ukraine is going to have an impact until that kind of settles down. Uh, And it's, you know, I think people were surprised that it went on as long as it did and is still ongoing. Uh, But things at the macro level, like climate change, for example, it's really an X factor. We don't know how that's going to impact farmers. Of course, it's having an impact, you know, especially when we're talking about droughts and, and record heat waves. It becomes a lot harder to keep your, your your livestock healthy or your crops healthy and watered. Input costs like uh, gas and energy, those things have spiked. Again, because of the Ukraine, Russia is a big contributor to global uh, oil and gas. And things like fertilizer. So, you know, the potash and the nickel and those kind of raw inputs that go into fertilizer, fertilizer became a lot more expensive this year. And then, of course, there's just things like plain old COVID-19, which seems to never go away. I know people are very tired of the pandemic, but it's still having these kind of uh, outbreaks in schools and outbreaks in in production plants. And that will, uh, you know, limit the supply as people get sick. And of course, it disrupts uh, supply chains in some ways if, you know, transportation is, is impacted. Janet, we have uh, about one more minute or so. Is there a particular food category that's going to be higher than others? Unfortunately, it looks like vegetables are going to be the highest price. And, and that's that's of concern because, you know, we need fruits and vegetables to maintain a healthy, you know, healthy lifestyles. We don't want to see people foregoing those kind of healthier calories with calorie dense, uh, you know, fat and oil and salt like foods that tend to be cheaper, those overprocessed foods. So people are going to have to be creative. We waste a ton of food here in Canada. So this is an opportunity for us to get reacquainted with our kitchens and, and, you know, plan what we what we eat and, and eat what we buy, I guess you would put it that way. Janet, always appreciate your time. Thanks for sharing the details of the 2023 Food Price Report. Thanks for having me. That's Janet Music, Research Program Coordinator, AgriFood Analytics Lab, and has done a great job in formulating the numbers and giving us the bad news once again. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Earlier on in the show, we talked about the latest 2023 Canada food price report. And it indicated, if you missed it, that food prices are going to go up another 5 to 7 percentage points next year. That's on top of the 10 plus percent they've already risen this year. As you can imagine, those rising prices, the rate of inflation, and just the overall cost of living is a massive strain on many individuals and many families in this area. So much so that food insecurity is an absolute real thing, and it's a painful reality for many people. Food banks this month alone, with the holiday season approaching, are expecting an increase like they've never seen before. Or at least an increase in demand that they've never seen before. Kathy Hahn is the executive director of Food for Kids and joins us now on Good Morning Hamilton. Kathy, good morning. How are you? 
Good morning. I'm good, thank you. How are you? I'm good. How are you guys doing with phone calls and knocks at the door to say, hey, we need some help? Yeah, you know, it, it's a year unlike any we've ever seen before. So for our program, when a school notices that a student is coming to school with no lunch or very little lunch on an ongoing basis, or maybe a student has told staff that they're hungry and there's no food in the home, or staff have observed that the student in this family is attempting to hide the fact that they have no food to bring to school, that's when the schools call us. So um, at the moment, we are seeing our largest number of requests we have ever had since our program began 10 years ago. What do those numbers look like? Well, right now, we are we actually work with about 40 volunteers every week to package and deliver bags of healthy food to 1,425 elementary and secondary school students at 75 schools here in Hamilton. Wow, that's that's a lot of kids. That's a lot of families because it's, there's a family attached to that child as well. Absolutely, there is. And right now, we have to, um, excuse me, we had to implement a triage system. So looking at situations where kids are at risk of a crisis level of food insecurity. In our program, we call that a level one. So at the moment, our priority is supporting those kids that are at that level one of food insecurity. So that that means that we have a child and a family, um, but a child that is at severe risk of not having enough food in the home on a regular basis. So what does that triage system look like? How do they benefit? Well, what happens is the school looks at the situation, and as I said, they 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 really decide whether or not um, the student is a level one, two, or three. So how severe is that food insecurity in the house? Um, this is a family that is relying on food banks. And we want to make sure that in working with the schools, who see the kids every day, that the kids can benefit from our program who are of the highest need in Hamilton. Kathy Hahn is our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Kathy is the Executive Director of Food for Kids, an amazing local program that puts food into the bellies of kids who otherwise would not have a good start to the day. You mentioned 1,400 of these uh, children in the community are being helped right now. How does that compare to this time last year? Yeah, that, so this time last year, we are up um, at least another 250 kids, and that doesn't take into account our wait list. Um, so again, our priority being supporting kids that are at crisis level, we do have kids that still need help. They need our program, but they're not yet faced um, with that crisis level. So we have had to start a wait list uh, because we just, we've reached our program capacity. Now, that said, we never turn away kids that are at that crisis level. We will always uh, put those kids directly and immediately into our program. More information on Food for Kids online, foodforkidshamilton.ca, or you can just Google Food for Kids and get a variety of details on what the program is all about. Can you talk to the food items and the ever-changing, I guess, food kit that you're delivering to children and, and by extension, their families? 
Absolutely. So every week we deliver a bag of healthy food that contains breakfast for Saturday, breakfast for Sunday, lunch for Saturday, lunch for Sunday, two snacks for Saturday and two snacks for Sunday. That bag of food has five fruits and vegetables. It'll have a whole bag of bagels or English muffins. Um, We've got ready to eat easy open products that kids no matter their age can open it up and eat at a moment's notice without requiring the help of anybody else because there are some situations where our kids they don't have access um, to perhaps a pot or stove or something that they need to cook it we our program also supports secondary school students so we've got to make sure that our secondary school students who unfortunately might be living couch to couch, have that opportunity to eat from our food bag when they need it most. With food prices rising the way they have this year and expected to rise even more so again in 2023, how are you meeting the challenge and the demand, uh, the the rising demand of these children? It's got to be incredibly tough. It really is. We spend about $75,000 a month on our grocery bill to buy food to put in those uh, healthy food bags. And we 100% rely on fundraising, donations, and grants to support our program. So, you know, right now we're running uh, two fundraising events, and that helps us greatly really generate those funds that we need to operate our program and support all 1,425 kids. It's an amazing program, Food for Kids, Hamilton.ca. Kathy, thanks for joining us. Good luck uh, this month and beyond. Thank you very much. That's Kathy Hahn, Executive Director, Food for Kids. Yes, it is quite a challenge to help all these kids and the growing number of kids, more than 200 this year compared to last year on a year-to-year basis and how many more children Food for Kids is helping in our community. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Another interest rate hike is expected from the Bank of Canada this week. Um, What is it going to be? Is it going to be a quarter percent, a half a percent? And is this, please, and thank you very much, the last Bank of Canada interest rate hike, at least for a while, uh, with more on that, here's Marvin Ryder. He's a professor in the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. Marvin, good morning. How are you? Good morning, and I'm glad to be with you. What do you expect the Bank of Canada will do this time around? Well, maybe to help set that up, let me just remind you that our last three inflation numbers, this is August, September, and October, were 7.1%, 6.9%, and 69 which is way too high. We don't want inflation in that level. We want it to be more on the 2 to 3% range. The hope had been that these interest rate hikes would see this uh, inflation rate fall, but it's not falling fast enough. Now, we are going to get another update. We're going to get the November inflation number in about 10 days, and I think it will have come down. But even if it comes down to, say, 6.1%, Rick, or, or 6.3%, still too high. So, I'm setting you up for the fact that for sure, interest rates are going to go up on Wednesday morning. That's when the Bank of Canada meets. The only question is, will it be a quarter of a point or a half a point? My bet is actually on a quarter of a point. Because remember, these interest rate increases take a little while to kick in. A little while in my world is three or four months. So we've already seen dramatic increases. Remember, at the start of this year, 
the, the interest rate of the Bank of Canada was just a quarter of a percent. If we go up a quarter, another quarter percent, now it'll go up to four even. And I think that's probably a good place to sit for a little while. So, yes, my bet is, A, it's going to go up, and B, it'll go up a quarter of a point. But then it'll sit there maybe for three months or so. And possibly, possibly by this time next year, we'll begin to come down a little bit. So we've seen interest rate hikes. I think this is going to be the seventh in a row come Wednesday, which will bring us to the highest level. I think it's since 2008. Yet inflation really hasn't been battered down by that much. So is, is this is this working at all? Well, it, it is. So, again, one of our little problems here is that we can't put a glass dome over the Canadian economy. Uh, all things being equal, this should have an impact by now. But we've got the uncertainties. We've got the war in Ukraine. We don't know what's going to happen with oil prices. We don't know how uh, Europe is going to get through this winter season and heat their homes, etc. We don't not, we're not sure exactly what's going to happen on some other fronts with the United States. So this is one of the reasons why inflation has stayed high. But I actually do believe we've turned a corner and now we're going to see this start to come down. I had hoped we would be there by now. I had hoped by Christmas time we would be down in the two to three percent range. It looks like it's taking six more months, but I think we're turning the corner. Marvin Ryder is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Marvin is a professor in the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University, and we're talking about Wednesday's impending interest rate hike by the Bank of Canada. You mentioned the two scenarios, a quarter point or a half a percentage point. That makes a difference with people's mortgages, if they're in a variable mortgage. Um, is the impact any different when it comes to tackling inflation? What, what's, what's the difference between a quarter and a half a percentage point? Well, the reason why I'm going for a quarter of a point, Rick, is that we've already seen such dramatic increases in interest rates, and I'm just not sure all of this has trickled through the economy. Now, let's keep in mind that let's suppose the worst case scenario happens. And what is that? That we somehow trigger a recession in 2023. The Bank of Canada's normal response, if there's a recession going on, is to cut interest rates. So it doesn't want to be bouncing them around. It doesn't want to go up one time and down the next time, up the next time, down the next time. It likes to do things a little more measured in the way it goes. So I think it's probably increased interest rates almost enough to deal with inflation. That's why my bet is just on a quarter of a point and then a hold for a period of time. Let this work its way through the system. It just doesn't happen overnight. But there are other people who argue, and especially when we look at what the United States is doing, that something more dramatic might be needed. Uh, already, the, the United States is a quarter of a point higher. The Federal Reserve Board has set their rates at a quarter of a point higher than the Bank of Canada. So maybe we do need to go further. And I think this is what they're going to debate about. But my my feeling is that Tiff Macklem is hearing you when you say enough, enough with the interest rate hikes. He's going to give you one, but I think it's going to be the smaller number. Depending on, because our economies are so intertwined, Canada and the U.S., depending on what they do down south, how big of a ripple effect does that have up here? Right. So, again, even if the Bank of Canada does things that prevent a recession here, if the United States were to fall into a recession, we're going to feel the effects north of the border. And so, I trust me, there is some conversation going on between the two governors, the, the leader of the Federal Reserve Board and the Bank of Canada, trying to figure their way through this. So far in 2022, we've avoided a recession. And again, I think I need to repeat that. We are not in a recession right now. We've had three consecutive quarters of growth in our economy. A recession needs two consecutive quarters of shrinkage. 
Again, with the Christmas spending season upon us, I don't think it's going to happen here in the fourth quarter. So if a recession were to happen, we'd be midway through 2023. But nobody wants that. Nobody wants to see us fall back into recession. But the, the, here's the key, I think. We all feel the effects of high inflation. Only certain people feel the effects of the higher interest rates. And by the way, one other quick note, Rick, you know, we have these lovely people called seniors who are on, on quote unquote fixed incomes. Of course, many of them like to take their money and buy bank deposits where they were earning next to nothing over the last three or four years. Those seniors are actually getting a nice increase in the amount they can get on their savings. So what hurts some people, again, if you have a mortgage and I feel your pain, but on the other hand, seniors who are trying to save, they're seeing some of the best returns on their investments they've seen in some time. Last one for you. StatsCan has, uh, over the last number of months, uh, brought us some pretty encouraging and solid jobs numbers. How does that yep. play a part in this whole thing? Well, again, what we may see is what we call a technical recession, where the economy shrinks a tiny amount, maybe 0.1%, 0.2% for a couple of quarters. So, haha, we're in a recession. But usually in a recession, we also see massive job losses. We have nearly a million jobs in this country right at the moment that are going unfilled. So even if there is a small recession, and even if a few people lose jobs in, in business one, business two and three and four are still hiring, we think if we have a recession, it, it will get through this quite well. Professor Ryder, always some great insight from you. Thanks for joining us today and enjoy your day. Will do. Thank you. That is Marvin Ryder, professor in the DeGroote School of Business at McMaster University. Uh, Wednesday is the big day for Bank of Canada. Expect at least a quarter of a percentage hike, if not a half a percent. Uh, we shall see on Wednesday. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. All week at this time, we are going to focus on and, and really highlighting all the ways that you can spend your money locally this holiday season. We really want to help local business, local mom and pop shops in the Hamilton area because, well, the last couple of years it has been a struggle. And this is the holiday season is a key time for these businesses. So the city of Hamilton and its economic development department have launched a new initiative to help you in that regard. Joining us to talk about it is Michael Marini, marketing coordinator Economic Development, City of Hamilton. Michael, good morning. How are you? Good. How are you? Thanks for having me. I'm good. So this is called the Spend It Here campaign. It sounds simple. It's very simple. It's it's basically go to your local BIAs. We have uh, 11 around the city, and we're just asking people to keep spending their local dollars with our uh, independent retailers. And uh, you've partnered with the Hamilton Library. What's the connection there? Well, we are uh, we're partnering with the library, and they have a mascot whose name is uh, Scout. And Scout, uh, the whole purpose behind Scout is about discovery, and the, the the love of learning, the love of discovering new things, new people, new places. And we thought, what better kind of mascot to to partner with when we're encouraging people to discover their city once again? I think after two and a half years of uh, various lockdowns and separated from one another and separated certainly from our merchants. Um, it's, it's time to go get out in the community. It's time to uh, rediscover these, uh, these wonderful local choices we have. And uh, Scout, as you follow along on this Instagram campaign over the next 35 days, uh, Scout's going to uh, enlighten all of us about the great uh, shopping, dining, experiential choices you have in Hamilton. 
That uh, Instagram uh, handle is at Hamilton Ekdev. That's Hamilton E-C-D-E-V. Scout the Fox will be, I'm sure, entertaining. I've seen a, a number of the pictures and the video in investinhamilton.ca. And it, it looks like Scout the Fox is not only going to have fun, there might be a little hijinks uh, as well. Well, it's always uh, it's always a fun time of year, and, and I'm sure Scout will uh, will keep us entertained. That's for sure. <laughs> so, uh, I want to uh, certainly give a thanks to uh, the Hamilton Public Library for their great partnership on this work, uh, and also um, uh, Benton Lowe, who's our uh, our puppeteer. Um, Lo and behold, Productions, I believe it is, and uh, Banco Media who's also uh, our creative director on this project. So a lot of creativity around the table. It was a shared experience and some great ideas. And and what you're seeing now over the next 35 days are the fruits of that labor. And uh, and we really hope you're entertained, but at the same time you're learning and uh, and getting out there and then learning something new, some place to see and and, uh, spend your your holiday shopping dollars. One of the toughest things, or maybe uh, challenging things is a better word, in finding a unique gift is is finding that store that offers them. And I, I have found over the years that doing so locally, going into a local shop, you get to see and find out about so many different unique gifts that these local businesses have to offer. No, absolutely. And that's why we've tried to make it as simple as possible. If you go to investinhamilton.ca slash here. Uh, you'll have access to the whole campaign page. And at the bottom of that page is a link to all of our BIAs, uh, 11 of our BIAs uh, across the city. Um, and that you go directly to the individual BIA pages from there. And then you can see there um, they have business directories on their own uh, BIA websites. And then you can see what, what catches your eye and, and uh, make a plan to, to get out there with uh, yourself or with friends and family and uh, try to make multiple purchases to help our uh, small businesses. We have a couple more minutes with Michael Marini, Marketing Marketing Coordinator, Economic Development City of Hamilton, as we talk about shopping local this holiday season. Uh, This is a huge time of the year for local businesses. Uh, Considering where inflation is right now, there's talk of a recession sometime in 2023. Was that the, the, um, uh, I guess, the genesis or the thrust forward to do this campaign was because those two things are a huge reality in our lives right now? Well, certainly the economic pressures we've all faced over the past couple of years uh, have, have hit us all hard uh, in some way or another. And so we're kind of not looking forward to what's, what's to come because your crystal ball is as good as mine, Rick. I don't know uh, what the, economy, the state of the economy will be uh, tomorrow, but I can, we're looking behind and saying a lot of this work, um, this project in particular, really had its beginnings uh, through the, uh, the Mayor's Task Force on Economic Recovery. Uh, so when we were in the, uh, the depths of the, of the, um, the pandemic, uh, we were looking for ways to encourage people to keep our merchants going. And so this has its roots in that program. Um, whether inflation keeps going up or whether it, it starts to uh, subside or even goes down, I don't know. But I think what, remain, what remains constant uh, throughout our, our economic history are the, uh, is the importance of our small businesses. And certainly we saw that through the pandemic. Uh, I think everyone understood quite clearly that small business is the lifeblood of any local economy. And so if you have a rich and robust small business sector, 
uh, it's just going to bode well uh, for the stability of your economy and, and it bodes well for the future of your of your local economy. Well said, and we encourage all our listeners to shop local this holiday season and help out those who uh, give back to our community as well. Michael, thanks for the time today. Uh, have a great one. Thank you very much, Rick. Michael Marini is a marketing coordinator with Economic Development City of Hamilton. You can follow Scott, uh, Scott, Scout the Fox on Instagram at Hamilton Dev. And uh, I'm sure he's going to get into uh, some trouble, but some good trouble this holiday season. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Uh, I'm not sure it's comfy cozy for a lot of workers on the job, whether it's at the physical workspace or remotely when it comes to mental health. It sounds like Canadian workers are still under a lot of stress and a lot of strain. So says the latest LifeWorks Mental Health Index. And joining us now to talk about it is Paula Allen, global leader and senior vice president, research and total well-being at Life works. Paula, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing well. Good morning. So how are we doing at work? Well, it's overall, not just at work, but overall in our lives, we've really been impacted over the last couple of years by all the ups and downs and strains and changes. And our mental health has really continued to be strained. So we had a we had a massive impact at the beginning of the pandemic, and it's improved slightly, but certainly nowhere near where it was even as recently as 2019. A lot of stats in this report. Are, are there one or two that we should really be focusing on that are, are worrisome or maybe even encouraging? Well, I think there are a couple that are insightful. Like, um, one is how important it is for employers to provide support for mental health, so benefits, services for health and well-being overall. So we've heard a lot over the last little while about how important flexibility is in the workplace, and it definitely is. But actually, people are saying that the benefits and services offered for their health and well-being, more, that's more important. More people are saying that that's, that's the most important thing behind pay. I was going to say, how are organizations and and maybe even uh, supervisors, bosses, managers, whatever the case is, how are they doing nowadays compared to uh, even two years ago? Well, there's been a lot of strain on managers when you really think about it. And and we had a very interesting flip in the mental health of managers at the beginning of the pandemic. Uh, Typically, because managers are a little bit older, have access to resources, uh, have honed because of the role really good problem-solving skills, we find that their mental health and resilience is a little bit better than those who are non-managers. And that completely flipped during the pandemic because of all the extra strain. So not only dealing with everything that everybody was dealing with, but also having to take care of the business and having to adapt how we do business and supporting employees. So there's been a lot of strain on managers, but we're also seeing how important the manager is to the well-being of their employees. So, you know, managers who show up with compassion, managers who show up in a way that makes employees feel confident, they actually have employees who are doing a bit better. Paula Allen is our guest on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML. Paula is a global leader and senior VP of research and total well-being at LifeWorks. And we're talking about a new LifeWorks health index, mental health index, that show Canadian workers are experiencing some increasing strain with a mental health score of 64.9. What does that number mean? 
Well, 64, think about it like um, like the 0 to 100 scores you get in school. So uh, 80 to 100 is you're doing pretty well. Uh, 50 and below, you, you probably need a little bit of extra help. So 60 is okay, but it's certainly not great. Like we were well over 70 in 2019. So this does represent a pretty significant drop. So we have a bit of vulnerability. You know, we've got almost half of Canadians feeling more sensitive to stress than they did before. And we've got three times as many Canadians feeling more um, in, in the high-risk mental health category than they than we did before. One of the interesting notes in the report is that Canadians who care about their work, who has that have that passion for doing uh, their job and doing it well, above expectations, have higher mental health scores. Talk about that a little bit. Yeah, this is a really interesting finding and shows the importance of your environment and how you approach your environment. When you think about it, as human beings, we're wired to need accomplishment, to need that sense of accomplishment. The human race really wouldn't have survived if we didn't push, if we didn't stretch, if we didn't you know, want to do better. Uh, so this is really just how we are as human beings, and it's a positive thing. But when you have an environment where that is, that's not possible, where that is squashed, where you really don't feel that you have that opportunity, that's not a great thing. So when people are able to be themselves, which is, you know, to strive for excellence, we find that there is a positive impact on their mental well-being. So that's that's really the the, the indication that this this stat is showing. Of interest as well is that you know everyone wants a good paying job, right? If that that pay rate is uh, is great, uh, you know they'll they'll jump at the chance to work for that organization. But perhaps maybe not as equally important, but it's it might be getting there is the benefits that go around with working at an organization that puts a particular emphasis on health, mental health, mental well-being. Absolutely. And, and these benefits and services, they can be life-changing. You know, not, not, like some people don't understand that, but when you are in a difficult place, your 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 um, the EAP that is offered to you, so you can provide that that provides counseling and crisis support, the health benefits and drug benefits that are offered, like so, those are literally potentially life changing. But they also say something about the employer that you work for. So employers who go a little bit over and above and doing things and providing support for employee health and well-being. That is a different mindset than an employer who does not. So people are really paying attention right now to how important their own health and well-being is to their employers, and this is one indication of that. Where can more people get uh, details on this report? The Mental Health Index is available free of charge to anyone and everyone on LifeWorks' website. So that's LifeWorks.com, L-I-F-E-W-O-R-K-S. And if you put in any search engine, LifeWorks Mental Health Index, it will come up. And LifeWorks is available to offer any kind of support and consultation for mental health and well-being as well. Good to know. Paula, really appreciate your time today. Thanks for uh, joining us today. Enjoy your day. My pleasure. That is Paula Allen, Global Leader and Senior Vice President Research and Total Well-Being at LifeWorks. Sounds like she's got a pretty good job and sounds like if you have a job in which your employer puts an emphasis on mental health and your well-being, 
Um, sounds like you're at a pretty good place uh, of employment. You're listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast from 900 CHML. Well, exciting news is being launched today, and it's called the Southwestern Ontario Black Entrepreneurship Network. So what's this all about? Well, let's talk to the manager of skills, development and entrepreneurship with Empowerment Squared, Henry Alui. Henry, good morning. How are you today? Good morning. I'm doing good. How are you? Uh, I'm great. Am I pronouncing your last name correctly? Um, the pronunciation is Elui. Elui. Excellent. Yeah, you're very close. Henry, t- tell us about the network. How did this begin and what is this all about? Thank you for the question. I would say that this Swaben, the, the, the name is Swaben. It stands for Southwestern Ontario, Southwestern Ontario Black Entrepreneurship Network. It is a consortium of partners led by Employment Square to offer dynamic resources for Black entrepreneurs in the Greater Hamilton and Windsor. And this began as a result of the numerous research that has been carried out, which um, highlighted some of the present needs for Black entrepreneurs and businesses, so- such as um, um, capital skills, lack of capital skills for advertising and promotion, personal development and mentorship, securing and qualifying Capital. This has been an issue and need for the black entrepreneurs, as well as lack of data about black entrepreneurs, you know. So um, Swabin came together to see how we can solve this problem. So there's clearly a gap in getting more and more uh, people into an entrepreneurship from the black community. There's certainly a gap there. Does this program, does this network fill that gap? Exactly. That is what we hope to uh, fill. One of the gap is in this program, this initiative, working with uh, our great uh, partners within Hamilton and Windsor area for this. So, if there is a, a you know a, a black person in this community right now who says, you know what, I got an idea for a business or a product or a service, I'm going to tap into the network to see how they can help. What are some of the programs that will be available to this individual? Oh, uh, we've put together a very. Um, dynamic um, and good um, program um, to cater for this needs. And such as we we designed a membership model to mobilize black entrepreneurs and business. And we've created a custom um, business training program, as well as we've designed a matchmaking and mentorship program that helps connect them to, you know, mentors, people who have done this in the past and who help them walk the walk, right? And also we are, going to be having numerous networking events where which that gives them opportunity to meet with people and talk about their business. And at no cost, we are providing business advisory services to help them with developing their business plan, assessing, um, training them on how to assess capital, optimizing operations and communication activities, helping them with their communication activities. Uh, in the in the long run, we hope to create a digital hub of network that can help shine the spotlight of of different people who have gone through this our program to help elevate their their profile in the black business uh, their profile within um southwestern Ontario. You know, so we've designed a lot to help black entrepreneurs gain the landlight. Like I, uh, uh, one of the things I always like to say is that we want to be the wing on on which they can fly to their to greater heights.
That's a great sentiment. Our guest here on Good Morning Hamilton on 900 CHML is Henry Louis, the manager of Skills, Development and Entrepreneurship at Empowerment Squared. And we're talking about the all new Southwestern Ontario Black Entrepreneurship Network. And there's an event today at 5 p.m. at the Hamilton Public Library main branch in which you're inviting people to attend that event. Where do they register and what are they going to learn? Uh, it's very simple. Um, you just have to go to our event rights. The registration is on Eventbrite. You can just put in your information and you come in. And we are very, we have good um, space for you. And it's an opportunity for you to, to come and be part of the first um, participants within the program because this is a pilot. And we are hoping to use this opportunity to serve Black entrepreneurs within Hamilton. So there's a lot to learn. And there will be um, the mayor will, will be there and uh, as well as our different partners will be there. So it's going to be a great meet today. It sounds like a great launch is on the way, and you can get more details online at swoben.ca. That's S-W-O-B-E-N dot C-A. Henry, thanks for the time today. Good luck with the event and with the network. Thank you. I'm looking forward to having you guys there and everyone. That is Hen- Henry. Thank you. Thank you, Henry. Henry Alui, Manager of Skills, Development, and Entrepreneurship at Empowerment Squared. Again, more details, S-W-O-B-E-N dot C-A. Thanks for listening to the Good Morning Hamilton podcast. You can listen to the show live weekday mornings from 530 to 9 on 900 CHML and online at 900CHML.com. The Good Morning Hamilton podcast is available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, and wherever you get your favorite podcast. I'm Rick Samprin. Thanks again for listening. And don't forget to subscribe to the podcast. It's free so you never miss an episode. And make sure you rate and review.